Brothers and sisters of the barbecue world, Cowboy Kev here welcoming you to another episode of Man Meat Barbecue with your host, Mikey K. Man Meat Barbecue is proudly sponsored by Fire and Smoke Barbecue. If you're looking for a new seasoning, head over to fireandsmokebbq.com. We ship nationwide or pick up a catering menu for those of you in the Chicago area. Also brought to you by Myron Mixon Smokers. If you're a caterer competition or just a backyard cooker, we have the smoker for you. Go check them out at MyronMixonSmokers.com. And now, here's your host, Mikey K. What's up, guys? We are hanging out with Burnt Finger Barbecue today. Uh, we are hanging out with Jason and Megan Day. Um, I would like to thank you guys for coming on the podcast, hanging out with us, and uh, we're going to nerd out on some barbecue stuff. Guys, uh, if you've never heard of them, they are a – I'm going to let you guys kind of explain because you're more than just barbecue people. You're more than just a barbecue company. You do a lot of different stuff. So um, Jason, Megan, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast, and if you guys can kind of introduce yourselves and give them a little bit of in, like a little bit of uh, background before we get into our conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, first off, thanks thanks for having us. I'm I'm Jason, and I'm Megan Day from Burnt Finger Barbecue. Yeah, we're Burnt Finger Barbecue. So we are we started out as a, a competition barbecue team. Um, we're from Kansas City, Lee Summit area of Kansas City to be to be specific. The that's on the southeast side. If anybody really knows the geography of, uh, um, we started out as a competition barbecue team, um, and then kind of made our mark by creating some viral internet content years ago. A little thing before called, before there was viral content. Yeah, it's a little thing called the Bacon Explosion um, put us on the on the map nationally, um, and we've been riding this crazy wave of barbecue through competitions and products and. TV appearances, and and now we just consider ourselves ambassadors to the overall art and, and culture of, of barbecue. Um, our most current venture has us promoting barbecue on the Home Shopping Network, which is, is all sorts of fun. So there's a whole lot of uh, there's a whole lot of details and twists and turns in there, but that's that's been about our what I was going to say ten year. It's probably been a little longer than that. 12, yeah. 12 year journey in barbecue. Uh, do you know what they say? A twelve year overnight success. Oh, of course. Of course, you know, nobody ever sees the work that you put into it. That And that's okay, because if you work hard, then things will happen. So Yeah, absolutely. It, now, how did you guys come up with the name Burnt Finger? Like, I, I have my ideas, obviously. but I, I And they're wanna... all wrong. They're all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most people think that that's, comes from trial and error, which is somewhat right. Or uh, that we injured ourselves. Yeah, but there's no injuries along the way. Uh, we get we came up burnt finger barbecue because when we were cooking back in in the backyard, our our friends and family were always trying to sneak bites off of the grill, and they were reaching in and pulling hot pieces of meat off, trying to trying to get the first taste, and they were they were burning their fingers. So our our we decided our food was so good, people were willing to burn their fingers to get at it. So we just call, started calling ourselves burnt finger barbecue. Oh, okay. That's a great one. I just figured like my, my kind of look like, I guess, outlook on it was uh burnt finger barbecue. I mean, we all burn ourselves numerous times as pit masters and eventually it stops burning you and it's just, <laughs> you just stop feeling yeah. it. <laughs> well, there is some truth to that. There's some calluses along yeah, the way. My, my fingertips have no feeling in, in them anymore. Right. You eventually, you start to lose that, that lovely sensation. Um, it, it's kind of weird. I, I have a hard time feeling hot, but when I stick my hands into a cooler, I'm like, oh shit, that's really cold. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, you, uh, it's the same thing that guitar players go through. They, they've got no feeling in their fingertips from the same, the same concept. Yeah, pretty much. So you guys have a sauce line, you have a rub line, uh, that you guys, I'm, I'm guessing that's what you guys are promoting a lot on, um, the home shopping network and stuff like that. What's what was going into the, what made you decide that that was the next step for you guys? Not the home shopping network and, per se, but just going to that rub and sauce line. Well, really, actually, I'll, I'll tell that story because when we staged photos for the Bacon Explosion blog post, Jason grabbed a Heinz ketchup bottle 
and throw our logo on it and then just a, you know, McCormick spice container and wrapped our logo around the outside just to stage spices and sauces in the background of the picture. And then people just assumed and expected that we had sauce and seasoning as well. So we quickly kind of had to figure out, okay, it's, we got we to gotta put out a product because the insane response that that viral post had was that people really wanted to try. So um, we kind of backed into a business because the demand was there. Um, and so the natural progression to a sauce and a seasoning was really more driven by people wanting to buy it. Okay. Now, yeah. did you guys have and, and, then, and, 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 and from there, it, you know, we, it's been a long time. We added a spicy version, but it's been a long time since we've launched a new sauce or seasoning. Now, here's my question. Did you guys already have a sauce and seasoning you were kind of already using of your own that you just kind of quickly – manufactured in the sense like going into 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 manufacturing or did you have to create a sauce and seasoning at that point both yeah both we i mean we were well versed in the in the backyard barbecue so we, that was part of what we did all the time was create sauces and seasonings and and we're, we were just starting to dabble in competition and so everything we were doing was homemade so we had experience and had had plenty of options the challenging part just from a product development is saying, okay, this is the final recipe and this is what we're going to move forward with. Um, and so that was the decision that we had to make. After the ninth version, is it okay? Is it not good enough <laughs> yeah. or, or will I, it work? Yeah. I'm kind of the never satisfied person of always changing, making better, changing, making better. And that's, that's what's why we do competition barbecue. It doesn't quite lend itself that way to product development or, or you'll never get out of the the concept phase. I I mean, I won't disagree with you on that. I mean, I've been, uh, I finally put a rub to market, um, under my barbecue company, which is fire and smoke barbecue. Uh, if you guys are out there and you guys want to check out our rub line and all of our products, it's fire and smoke bbq.com. There's a shameless plug to my barbecue company. Uh, but I guess I can do that. I'm the kind of the host of the show. Yeah, it's your show. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But so, Basically, kind of when we were, when we were putting it out, I mean, it took me four years to get to where I'm at right now, and I, I say that in the in the in the way of I was never happy enough to put it into a bottle. I yeah. thought the flavor was really good, and I used it, and I cooked with it, and people would be like, "Can I have some of it?" And I gave you know tons of it away in a sense by people being like, "Can I just have some of that?" And it's like, "Yeah, sure, here you go." And I'm like giving like Ziploc bags away like a drug dealer, um, <laughs> but. It, that's how we all start. Right? Yeah. It's, it's all, it, that's how the good stuff starts. But it, it, it's so funny. Like, it, 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 you you don't think it's good enough to bottle almost. Like, I, at least that's the way I am. I'm like, well, man, it's, it's just it's not, good enough. It's not good enough. It's imposter syndrome. Do you think, well, why is this going to be better than somebody else's? Why, you know, I like it, but would someone really pay for it? Yeah. And that that's kind of the scary part, right? It's like what if I put this out? What if I spend all this money and I I put this out and nobody buys it? Yeah. And we were in a unique situation to where we already had people wanting to buy it. We went viral and we had nothing to sell. We had nothing to sell. We had a, we had a website with two blog articles that was receiving millions and millions of hits. And our inbox was full of people wanting to know where to send money. Um, (laughs) That changes your, your, your perspective a little bit. And I remember, I'll, I'll always remember this. Um, I, it, Todd Johns with Plowboys Barbecue, he, he had some rubs that were really, were really big on the competition circuit at the time. And we were trying to add some more products and we're talking with him about bringing his products onto our side as well. And he just, he just said, man, you, you've got lightning in a bottle here. Don't let the grass grow under your feet. It's like, you could tinker with it forever, but, but just the, get the, it out. The marketing's going to, You've already got the marketing. You got to go, and that was pretty much the changing point for us. Was that it's okay? You're right. We got to go, and we've we've since gone back. the The tinkering aspect has not left. We've gone back and revised the seasoning a couple of times, and and I, I'd say it's it's better than it's ever been now. Um, but yeah, I just kind of needed that kick in the butt of it's it's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's part of part. Most of this most of this game is marketing anyway. So 
I think I think a lot of the game is marketing. I do agree with he, him on that. And I agree with you on that. And then a lot of it is going go to market. Let the market tell you. You know what I mean? Like so many people are scared to go to market. Don't go, it took me four years, but um, it, it's so many people are just terrified of. We'll just go to market. Let's see. Let's see what happens. Yeah, it becomes real. Well, because you're also talking design and you're talking storage and I mean that go into it that are really scary. Um, but bottom line is you, you've got a proof of concept. You got to, as you said, the market's going to tell you. The market, the market doesn't lie. It'll punch you in the face. It really will. Um, <laughs> and it, it, you know, it just doesn't lie. I mean, if 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 you even if even if you guys had this viral crazy video, if your rub sucked the market would tell you you know what i mean like you'd sell 50 bottles and then they wouldn't move yeah yeah and people would be like well that sucks yeah it's the stick to your day job yeah pretty much off the shelf marketing gets it off the shelf the first time what's inside the bottle gets it off the shelf the second third fourth fifth time exactly Mm -hmm. Exactly. and and really in the next and the next phases you know what else do you have have that we can try yeah I, I will say that is one of the big things we we kind of worked with is when we put out one rub, we we then launched two more later on um, for the for the sake of people want like, oh, I really like this, but I don't want to buy this rub 15 times. Right. Or that the only that's the only thing I can. Purchase. Well, and we've been. Yeah, we've been slow to come out with something more. We've had success we we never really believe it or not went into this to have a job to to be barbecue full-time it was really a hobby but as jason said when you have a mailbox full of people asking how they can send you money for something (laughs) you 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 kind of do it but i i think oh are you there yeah oh i think at some point though it we just really wanted to keep it fun still and and just kind of let it do a thing for for quite a while yeah, for sure. You kind of let it mature, mature in its own way. Let it, let it come out and let it, let it shine. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we ended up taking our, our, so we took a slightly different approach because the sauce and seasoning market is, is very crowded, very tight. Absolutely. Uh, and so you have really got to do something to differentiate yourself. The bacon explosion is what gave us that, but we were also using those products to make packaged meat products. And so the bacon explosion was the first step into that. And that's, that's really where we were, we were focused. We did the sauce and seasoning as complementary products to that, but the bacon explosion was, was what completely unique to us. And that's, that's ultimately what people were coming and getting and, and looking for. Um, our audience was less the barbecue person as it was the person that wanted to eat barbecue, but didn't know how to do it. Um, and so that's what kind of got us into the, the prepared meats world. And it's crazy how many people out there are huge barbecue fans, but they don't necessarily want to do barbecue. They don't want to yeah. cook barbecue on their own. They don't want to um, prepare it. They don't want to fail. They yeah. want to fail. That's why there's more judges than teams for contests. <laughs> that is true. And, I mean, the hard thing is, like, how do you – how do you like? I think if if you're gonna be a judge, you need to go out and do it. Yeah, not necessarily. I mean, it's good to see it, but I can appreciate somebody who who wants to uh, wants to, wants to be a judge and and can critique it, but can't actually master that craft themselves. I don't like think, a restaurant critic. I don't think they need to master it. I think they need to at least live in it. Do you see what I'm saying? There's a difference between the mastering and the, and the living I mean, I, I think, situation. Yeah, like, I as think, long as you've I think lived going, it. Well, going in and and seeing the the prep ahead of time and the care that people put into making that box look a certain way. Yeah, it would be nice for them to have that perspective. That's exactly. just from a. That's from a. We pour so much into it. You don't necessarily want it, want somebody to diminish your passion for it and i think everybody's there because they they enjoy it but uh well, and then you hear that one judge who said oh it had a piece of parsley stuck to it so i gave it a lower score 
And, you know, it is what it is. That's that's what rubbed that judge the wrong way. And that that's hard to hear. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. And now speaking of competition barbecue, besides doing competition barbecue, you've done uh, Megan. I know you've done some uh, pretty cool uh, competitions yourself, not necessarily barbecue competitions, but barbecue style competitions such as chopped and doing things like that. What were those experiences like? I was crazy. That's just a, that's a completely different, you think of how, I mean, we've been practicing and honing our skills on a very small set of recipes for years and years and years. And something like chop comes along and you're thrown in front of a, a camera and you have 20 minutes to take an entire pork butt and make an appetizer. You know, that that's a completely different game um, of just get it done, knock it out, understanding how to break break down the meat and and put something uh, orchestrated offering to a judge it's a complete it, it was really cool and i'm so honored and glad that i got that chance to do it and the fact that in my episode i was able to walk away as a chop champion and beat all those those other folks that was that was pretty cool of course i got to the finale which was each chop champion from the four episodes got to face off against each other. And um, in my particular episode, there were two pitmasters and two classically sh- trained chefs. And the two pitmasters, we got, we got, you know, we got beat. Um, and so t- taking third was was pretty awesome. I hated I hated getting beat by those chefs, but it is what it is. They just know how to master that pantry more so than I did. So, but it, it, I, it was a, it was a great experience. I think it's definitely a different game in that sense. Like you said, you're taking a pork shoulder that we're used to cooking eight to 12 hours. Um, and, and they're giving you 20 minutes and yeah. it's not necessarily something we're all used to. It's not something that we're like, okay, cool. When you're at home, you're like, okay, I got 25 minutes to make an appetizer. No. Yeah. Nobody, nobody cooks that way. Nobody's like, people are coming over in 20 minutes. How do I get this appetizer done? What's in my pantry? You know? Well, and it's, I mean, it's truly a game. I mean, a hundred percent. I can't, it is a game. It is allowing somebody else to do something for them to get chopped as much as it is you just making sure you get everything on your plate and hope that it's somewhat cohesive because you're playing the game. What product is going to shine? What can you hide? <laughs> what can you just make a quick little sauce? So it's understanding the game side of it, which oh, I, I think was ultimately why I was, could be successful. Which is why you did great. Uh, yeah. You understood how, how to play with emotions yeah. very quickly. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, that too. I mean, you got to make good TV. Come on. Oh, absolutely. Um, it, it, it's just one of those things like that. I, I thought that was awesome that you, a, you were on it. Um, it was a very, it's a very interesting thing to do. Um, I always thought that 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 would be a lot of fun, but it also scares the living shit out of me because I'm like, I don't know (laughs) what I would do in, in that amount of time. Yeah. I have to say I got really lucky with my ingredients. Um, they were, they were, they were hard, but I, I, for whatever reason, the particular ingredients that I got, I felt like I could, I knew what to do with them. I could do something with them. I mean, there's certain ingredients. Like I was fearful of getting some kind of shellfish or getting some kind of fish that had bones and I didn't know how to remove the bones. I mean, that there's where my fear was certain ingredients that maybe I just didn't know how to manipulate. So I got really lucky with all the ingredients that I had. I definitely uh, applied to be on the show. Uh, I applied and tried tried to. I did not get as lucky as you did. Um I, I do have a couple food allergies, and I'm wondering if that may have played a uh, a role in it. <laughs> yeah, they ask. I mean, I know they, they do. Yeah, I, you know, I, yeah, they ask, and I know um, on, on my finale, Big Jim, he, he Jim Stansel, um, he bare knuckles barbecue. He's I, th- I think his is a shellfish. Sorry, okay. Jim, if I'm getting that wrong, but his his was, and you know, he just they, he just knew he can't eat it. But he can cook with it, so I don't know if you have one that you can't actually physically touch or not. But I yeah, can't, keep, uh, keep applying. I can't put any of like I have a I have a tree nut allergy, and ah, if yeah. it's in the air, it, it'll like I can't even like I can't breathe it even. So that's tough. 
Yeah, so like it, it it's a little bit rough. So if I'm like if I have to work with any of it, it I have to be very very careful. Yeah, that's a tough one. I but again, hey, you keep applying. Who knows? Maybe they'll have all all allergy sensitive folks on one. You Maybe. never know. They might do it. I mean, it would be a smart move on their part to do that. Yeah. No tree nuts. Let's do it. Here we go. I I mean, like it, it scares the shit out of me, but I would love to go do it. Um, I think it would be a lot of fun to uh, participate in the, in that in that game show. Yeah, there's some other ones out there that I. Like I, I don't know that I could do Hell's Kitchen because I'm not a I'm not a I'm not in a, a kitchen. Cook. It's a line cook, right? Yeah. I'm not in that every day, all day. You know, even the cadence of it, I'm just not. I wouldn't be prepared for that. Yep. I, I, I do you remember the show? Do you remember Alton Brown's show that was like the um, cutthroat? Yes. I would love to see a barbecue edition of that. I think it would be one of the funniest things ever. Mm-hmm. Some of just, the characters in barbecue, for sure. Exactly. I just think it'd be so funny. Mainly too, because a so many barbecue people are so helpful that it would just be really interesting to see them not be helpful. <laughs> That's true. That's a, it. Would be definitely a, a one eighty from our normal disposition. Also well, I mean, habit. So that changes that yeah. dynamic drastically. Exactly. But it just, I just think it would be very interesting to see people out of their spectrum, like you know, even more, um, because. I know that the way I am when I cook barbecue and when I'm I'm around a bunch of barbecue people, I'm always let me be that helping hand. Let me help you out. What do you need? How do I help you? How do I make sure you don't beat me because I let you? And you know what I yeah. mean? Being like, oh, yeah. I don't you have want, this. I don't have this. To, you yeah, you want people to be at their best so that if you are able to be the victor, it's because you beat them on their best day, not because they didn't bring something exactly i want i want to beat their best not oh god we don't have this this and this yeah it's we we had help early on and we've helped a lot of folks along the way and it's i i i see it all the time i think jason you feel the same way yeah absolutely well you spend so much there's so much downtime barbecue so i mean it's not like you just sit there and stare somebody down for two days while you're waiting on the <laughs> the food. Do you, oh, you don't do that? <laughs> getting to know everybody and, and having a good time. Yeah, no, absolutely. We try not to hide either. We like to get out and be be social and sit outside and, and do some prep work outside too. Now, during this, this kind of journey that you guys have been taking over the last 12 years of overnight success uh, – <laughs> That's right. What would you say is like what was the hard like the hardest decisions you guys had to make? The hardest decision we've had to make along the way. Um you know, to to further the brand, to make sure you were doing something maybe you were like, "Oh god, I don't know if that's the right move." And you had to make yeah. the decision. I think the probably we had when the, when Burnfinger barbecue was started and we had um, in Barbecue Addicts, which was actually the business that, that Bacon Explosion, that was the online web property that spawned Bacon Explosion. Um, we had some other folks that were we were working with, uh, some teammates um, and business partners. And um, I think probably the hardest, the hardest decision to make was when to split ways. Um, we ended up, Megan and I ended up taking full ownership of, of everything. Um, and then moving forward, just her and I, I'd say that making the decision to do that was probably the toughest thing we've, we've encountered. I, I think that is probably one of the hardest things, right? Cause then you, yeah. you're kind of putting it all on yourselves, right? Yeah. Well, and it's the, the folks that, you know, we started all of this with and, we got into it with friends and we didn't set out to start a business and a hobby quickly turned into a business with um, real money attached to it and real experiences and, and some notoriety. Um, and so to make, to have that turn into a, a business decision was, was a, a tough, a tough hurdle to cross. Well, I think it was the right move. It, it was, was the right move. Absolutely. It was amicable. It was the right move. I think just at what point do you say now's the time is everybody on board and how can we make this successful? And 
I think that that was a hard decision from a timing standpoint, but I think the ultimate decision to do it was, was right on. It fit, it fit the narrative. It fit what everybody was trying to get out of it. Cause there's, you know, as I just distinctly remember one of, one of our folks saying, I just never set out for barbecue to be a business. I just wanted to hang out. And you know, that, that's when you go, okay, then, then that's what you get to do is you get to hang out and we'll take the business part of it and go. Um, and that's, you know, I think the other hard decision was how much am I going to take on from, um, Megan, not just the wife and, and teammate, but now taking over some of the business side of it and making that decision for me to walk away from my corporate world to take on the barbecue was another pretty pivotal, pivotal moment. I don't know that it was a tough decision, but it was, it was a big decision. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the hardest things is, is, is knowing when to jump and, uh, having the, I mean, the balls to do it. <laughs> Tell me about it. I had to grow a pair. So. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's one of those things where, I mean, I left my, my, my job and, and went full-time barbecue and it, it, it's scary. It's not, it's, it, it is scary, but you know what, how many people, like I always say it, like barbecue is a lean in conversation. When you tell somebody you do barbecue, they doing and they lean in towards you. Like, tell me more. It is people are very fascinated by the the barbecue world. Correct. Yes, absolutely. They're very fascinated about it, and um, I feel like everyone has a barbecue story. Which is, um, <laughs> you laugh because you've heard a million of them. Uh, well, no, I, I, I always say that people, there, in Kansas City in particular, there's everybody has an opinion. There's as many opinions as there are smokers in this town. So everybody's got an uncle's brother's best friend's somebody that's got a better sauce than you. Oh, I love it. I love that. My son-in-law cooks brisket better than anybody else. Okay. Which is good. Hey, Fantastic. I've got a great rub you should try. So you just yes. keep trying, you keep practicing, buddy. But it's like, yes, he does. Fantastic. I bet yeah. you he does. You know what I mean? It, it, I just yeah. find it so funny when they're like, um, he cooks, this person cooks butter brisket than you. I, I had a conversation with somebody the other day and um, their, their first question they asked me, they go, what temp do you pull your brisket at? You answer that. And I was like, well, it depends on the brisket. I'm like, but usually uh, I pull it about 208, 210. He goes, yeah, I can totally tell. <laughs> Interesting. I go, can you? Can you really? Can you, t- can you tell what temperature I pull it at? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I can, I, can, I can tell. He goes, I eat a lot of brisket and I cook a lot of brisket and I do, you know, that's what I do. And I'm like, what? okay. I'm like – the reason I, I I I pull my brisket at 208, 210, a lot of people are going to be like, that's really high. I don't go up that high. Um, I, I cook my briskets a little bit hotter and faster. Uh, I cook on a Myron Mixon, and I've embraced the hotter and faster briskets. And I, I'm a big low and slow fan, don't get me wrong, um, but I've been finding with prime cuts of brisket – they they tend just to cook a little bit faster, and they like sitting at that higher temperature, and they feel better to me. So I've been pushing them, and it's cut down my cook time. Not going to complain. Uh, I get an, another two three hours of sleep. <laughs> Happy yeah, that, human. And it ta- sleep tastes good too, right? Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, but. It, you know what I mean? It, it, it totally like I haven't compromised the product, to me at least. Yeah, yeah. So there's no, there's no right way. There's plenty of wrong ways, but there's no one right way. Exactly. Yeah. And I just thought it was so funny when he's like, "I can totally tell." I'm like, "Dude, I could have given you any goddamn temperature in the world, <laughs> and you would have been like, I could totally tell." You should have. No, it's. <laughs> but you know, the thing is, though, you gotta, you gotta keep them engaged and. L- you, I don't want to say pander to it, but you kind of, you, you know, do. for the you art, a the art and, and being an ambassador of barbecue and wanting more people to do it, then good. That's awesome. And, you know, maybe that guy will go on to be like the world's 
expert in brisket and you just trying to learn. He's trying, trying to learn. To exactly. But like the weird thing was like the conversation ended there. Well, yeah, he didn't, he didn't want to get exposed that he, had he knew no anything or didn't clue. know anything. He's done. Walk away. It was just funny. And I was just like, okay, yeah, cool. Like, I don't know how else to tell you, like, how I do my brisket. I'm like, it, it's just so great. Like, and, the, and the, like you said, the whole, well, everyone's brother, you know, makes the best pork shoulder. Everyone's sister makes the best brisket. And I, I feel like I'm I'm meeting more and more people that make better and better barbecue uh, <laughs> every but, day but of my life. But they are, though. There's yeah. so much. Oh, there's so there, much content. great barbecue. But there's there, well, but also so much content. horrible I mean, content, When we too. first started when we first started competing, nobody was giving their secrets away. You had to figure it out. And now people can take these classes and these master classes yep. and come out to competitions and have a grand championship. I mean, we're watching it happen over and over and over again. And it's just the, the cottage industries that have been created within this sport and culture have, are allowing people to have big success right off the bat. And I think that's fantastic. And one of the things that I've always said is you know learn as much stuff as you can go on YouTube go 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 get as much content as you possibly can now make sure that you're aware that some of that content is garbage it's not yep. all great uh, but the other thing if you are taking if you take a class I teach barbecue classes uh, here in Chicago and um, if you're taking a class from somebody go out there and and learn as much as you possibly can from them but don't do exactly what they do you know what I mean. Pull what you want out of that class and then put your own little spin on it. You're never going to cook like that person. You're never going to make the exact same brisket that he did. You're never going to cook like a Myron Mixon. You're never going to cook like a Tuffy Stone. You can take stuff from them and create your own style, but you will never be that person. And that that's kind of how I look at it. When I go to when I go to barbecue classes, I go, what can I steal from them in a sense? What 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 can I add into my arsenal to, to change my style a little bit but keep it my own? And uh, what can I add, you know, add to my tool belt? So I think it's very important that people go out there and learn. And like you said, you can go take a class or two and and start going into competition barbecue and then start start placing, which then you get caught you get bit by that competition bug and you're screwed for the rest of your life. Um <laughs> True, it's true. It happens. Well and we teach we teach classes. And you guys yeah, teach we, classes? Yeah, yeah, we teach classes here. And I think spot on there is I mean the one thing you can't get out of a class is experience. I mean, you, you can hear other people's experiences, you can get recipes, but there's nothing that's going to replace actually doing it and learning hands-on. Um, you know, you, you, most of the time the recipes are all best-case scenario anyways, so if it's a perfect day, there's no wind, you're not, it's not rainy, your humidity is pretty steady, you know, you, the real art of barbecue comes into adversity. You know, where you got a contest and it's pouring rain and it's, you know, seven inches over two, two full days and it, it, there was never a blue sky. You know, you're going to cook different than um, that, that nice summer 70-degree afternoon. Um, hey, I agree with you. I mean, I was at the kitchen today. I, I, I walked outside. I looked at our pit. Um, no fire in the pit, okay? Nothing. Yes. No fire in the, the pit. the best days. Right, but hold on. No fire in the pit. It's sitting at one fifteen. Yeah, been there. Yeah, you know what I mean. And then it's like, damn. Okay, the other day I, I was cooking. It was it was I think a hundred and six degrees here. I could barely wow. keep a fire in my stick burner, barely, because I would throw just the like a tiny stick in there. And, and it would start creeping up, just start creeping up just because it was so hot outside and that there was just, it was beaming down so much on that, you know, that black surface of the Myron mix. And it was just holding heat so well. I, it was like so hard to keep that, keep a flame, but not, I couldn't have like a great, you know, bed of char, uh, bed of coals to keep that next stick going. It was, it was a very difficult cook, but I mean, we got through it and it it tasted fantastic and everything came out perfect, but it's just no, like you said, you know, knowing that differences of, 
how weather is going to play. Is it pouring rain and that rain is, you know, ice cold and it's hitting your cooker and maybe you don't have an insulated cooker. Maybe you do. Um, but if maybe the, ins- maybe it's not an insulated cooker. So it's dropping that temperature every single time that rain hits and that you're, you're going through more fuel because you're trying to keep that temp up. Pit's going to, going to handle that differently. And you just have to, to have to know your pit. I mean, for us, oh, we, absolutely. Cook, we cook on pellets. So we're running cook shack smokers in competition. Now we get an FEC 100, which is insulated, you know, but so we, we know how that reacts. Um, Luckily, the computer just kicks in and adds a little more pellets, and we're we're good to go. And I and I keep sleeping sleeping nice and neat in the in the trailer. Um, and I've got a fireboard connected to it, so if the temperatures drop into the danger zone, it just sends me a text message, and I, I go out and uh, plug it back in. <laughs> so, but we we also cook, used to cook on a, a Goodwin smoker for years and years and years over charcoal, and it was the same thing. If the wind ch- shifted directions, we may lose fifty degrees in the in the pit. Um, there were times when we cooked on that thing in the rain when I had to stand there next to the damper and basically drive the pit through a contest. That happened more times than than I can count. Um, but it, you know, it's not like the product ultimately is any is any different that comes off of those. It, it's just a matter of how well you know your pit and how, can you adjust to bring it back to those ideal conditions. I mean, that's, absolutely. That's the that's that's the art side of barbecue that that people can easily discount. Um, it's not just a recipe. Well, I think that's the true pit master side of it. It's mastering your pit and mastering how to get the best barbecue off your pit before you move into adding seasoning, adding cuts of meat, learning how to trim meat, learning about those cuts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Every every even you can buy the exact same pit and it's going to and put them side by side, and each one will be slightly different and slightly unique. Um, you got to learn your specific pit and how it reacts, and then go from there. That's when experience kicks in. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely, definitely agree with you on that. Um, I think that, like, like you said, that where the experience kicks in, and that's something that you can't learn in a class. Because unfortunately, most of the time, class cooks. At least I found for me, my class cooks usually almost go flawlessly. Like when I'm like, yeah. I right. wish something could go wrong so that I could like make it a learning at, at atmosphere and they don't. Well, that's why I think one of the things that I like, you know, standing in the room with Jason when we're teaching these classes is he can give some of the rewind and some of the ways and, and things to look for. I think he does that so well to try to help those, those you know, people in the room have at least some notes to look back to if they do find themselves in a situation that maybe Jason talked about. If they're willing to take notes, hey, I have a question for you. How do you how do you feel about people videoing and taking pictures of while you're doing class? How, what's the temperature on that in, in the world of, of barbecue competition classes and, and backyard classes? Do you, do you have an opinion on that? Um, I allow photos in my classes. Um, I ask that nobody takes video. Um, I, the reason I ask that nobody takes video in my classes is I can't control the quality of video that they're taking. Um, and I want to make sure that the content that I put out into the world is my content in the sense of it's in its purest form and it, it's correct from me, right? And I, it doesn't get cut off or I don't say something and they only record half of it. You know what I'm saying? Like where I, if, if I'm talking yeah. about, you know, being like, listen, you know, Pork shoulders stop taking and smoke at about 140 degrees. Um, we all kind of know that right about that range meat kind of stops taking in the smoke. And, and it, you're basically just finishing it off. So if I'm saying like, you know, at 140 degrees, pork shoulders are pretty much done with – and then like if they cut it off there, then it's like they're no, they're done with what? They're done with smoke. They're done with taking in that smoke. So you can start – either you can wrap it or you can do whatever you want with it. You're, you're just pretty much finishing off that cook and breaking down, uh, breaking down fats in it um, and breaking down different different parts of it. Uh, but I'm always nervous that somebody's going to cut it off at a weird, weird point. Yeah. 
You don't want just sound bites. You want the whole context. Exactly. And that, that's what I'm always worried about. So I yeah. always ask for, for no, no videos. Um, just because, like I said, you don't know what they get. Also, you have no idea how that video looks. Like if that yeah, video I, looks shitty, I don't want somebody to be like, I don't want to go take their class. I don't ever that video take looks horrible. That class. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm it, just kind of curious what that we're starting to see, you know, some of that and we we gosh, we're like, gosh, we probably should address this and really really kind of think through what we if we care or if we don't care or what the reasons. So that thanks for the yeah, that little info. I think that's I think it's a hard one, right? Cuz you want them to be able to get the content that they want. And you also want them to be able to look back on it because I know a lot of people will, will say to me, they're like, well, I can't take notes as fast as you talk. Yeah. And I'm not trying to talk really fast, but at the same time, when you start getting into a class and you guys know it, you only have so much time before they stop paying attention. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then they it's just like, eat. Yeah. They just want to eat and they start smelling barbecue and they're like, okay, I don't give a shit what you're saying. Just pull that off the pit, please. And you're like, yeah, but this is really important. Well, and that, that comes down, depending on where we're teaching classes, there's some parts of, of town where we teach that li- they just want to meet the pit masters and eat good barbecue. And then there's other folks who are like, no, using this because I want to go dominate my backyard or whatever they're doing. And so we always kind of know going in kind of what our audience is and try to, you know, try to, is it entertainment? Is it true education? Is it really just, I want to eat? So God, I wish I knew that going in. Um, we, we really have worked hard to try to understand our audiences. That That's awesome. There's times where I, there's places that I've taught where I just kind of, I don't know the audience at all. You know, I'll be a little bit out of my element, not out of my element. I shouldn't say it that way. Uh, I'll be out of my my area, I'll say where I don't know the, the, the people, I don't know the, I don't know who's coming into the class. I don't know if they're backyard guys. And I try usually in the first 15 minutes of, of my class, I'll try to ask, you know, and be like, who does competition barbecue? Who does this? Who does that? Who does, you know, this, uh, one of the last classes that I actually got to teach, um, it was, it was such a mixed bag of it. It was so crazy. It was – we had your backyard enthusiasts. We had competition guys that were there and then we had dudes that were just there because their wives signed them up and they were like, go make better barbecue because everything you put on your damn cooker sucks. So go go figure out how to cook something that's a smart that we can woman. Eat. You know what I mean? Like that, that's literally what we got. We did, we, did a, we did it right after Father's Day. So we made it a Father's Day barbecue class so that, you know, yeah. a lot of people got it for Father's Day. But it was a very interesting dynamic of people, and I kind of had to teach the class in a really interesting way because I had to appeal to the competition guys because they were asking me competition questions. And then I had to appeal to the backyard guys who had no idea what the competition guys were saying because they weren't – they didn't cross over that element that far yet. You know what I'm saying? They they weren't – they didn't pay attention to competition barbecue. They knew what it was. They just didn't understand what went into it and what re- what you needed to do during a competition. And then the guys that were just trying to learn how to use their damn cookers, um, I had to kind of really not – I don't want to say dumb it down because that's not the right way. But I had, to, I had to refocus it and say it in a different way so that they would understand it. Um so it was a very interesting way to teach because I was doing it basically to like three different three different ways. Being like, okay, so here's this for you guys. Here's that for you guys. Here's this for the competition guys. and But we're all talking about the exact same thing. You just want good meat. Yeah. And they don't want to waste $100 on a brisket. Are they only 100 bucks? Well, you know, most of those guys are buying something from the big box store. Some of those dudes are, yeah. But there, there are dudes that are buying some Snake River Farms and some, yes. other, some other ones. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Well, which, I mean, I think it's crazy. Like briskets when you – you know, I got I, – I was able to do Camp Brisket with Weber and that, that was a, like just so much fun. I was able to help teach that class. And 
you know, we we got we broke into groups and we kind of asked the groups. We were like, okay, do you want to do competition style? Do you want to do just a backyard style? What do you what do you guys want to get out of this class? You know, and some people were like, oh, we want to do competition. Let's see how the trim for competition goes. So I mean, there was a couple people that were trimming. You know, really doing a hardcore hardcore competition trimming. Uh, our good friend over at Slap Your Daddy Barbecue, Harry Sue, his team was like, let's do competition barbecue. They trimmed competition style a hundred percent injected did everything which was against the rules we were like no injections this year (laughs) let's try to make it a little bit more fair because it's kind of a competition between all of us but not really it's just kind of good all in good fun but we were like no injections this year but they were they did they did full-on competition style full trim just uh almost separated the point in the flat um injected fully it, it was just crazy how, how much that brisket looks so different than just, you know, your, your, you know, backyard packer brisket that you're just trimming just kind of nicely. You're not doing anything insane to, uh, you're trimming off some of the fat that's not going to render. And then you're kind of throwing it on the pit. And did he win? Hey, he did not. What? He didn't. Harry did not win. It was crazy. So, um, Actually, it, it, the the funny thing is like one of the, uh, Dustin from from Weber, uh, his team actually won. His, his brisket was fantastic. Don't get me wrong, um, but the funny story about it was we were like, okay, we're gonna put the we put briskets on the pit at about nine o'clock at night, uh, between nine and ten o'clock at night. Uh, so they were all pretty much on at ten, and then we were like, okay, guys, we'll see you guys in the morning. And it was a two day class, so they came in for the night class and then they the like the night part of it. And then the next day was a whole day that we kind of went through everything. So they got to see the trimming and all that kind of stuff. And basically we were like, we'll be back as pitmasters, we will be back at three in the morning to wrap briskets, you know, put them back in and have them finish. Uh, Tony from historic barbecue was going to do his hot and fast. So he's like, I'll be here at four starting my pit. <laughs> yeah. And like, we're just laughing. I'm like, whatever, Tony, I'm like, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And it was just to give, to give people to show them you can do hot and fast or you can do low and slow. And when I got there at about four in the morning, I ran, you know, I, I, I wrapped my briskets um, it was me and Kevin Coleman on a team together. Love Kevin. Great man. Uh, wrapped our briskets together and put them back in our pit. Uh, Harry Sue was there. He wrapped his, did a, did an injection, did a little bit of a mop and there, theirs was great. Dustin was running a little bit late. He said he was, he kind of overslept a little bit. He wasn't going to be there till about five. And I look at his pit and this thing is sitting at 180 degrees just just sitting there and i'm like okay cool so i'm not gonna let the fire go out right because you can't do that um so i'm opening but i'm like at the same time like i don't want to play with this pit i don't want to be that you know what i mean i don't want to tinker but i'm like there's no way i'm like i gotta i gotta get this fire going so i just started like trying to get his fire going and I think we ended up working on it for about two and a half hours before we realized something. Um, the way that Weber, the restaurant, because it was, it was hosted at a Weber restaurant, and the way that Weber gets their charcoal in on the restaurant because of the, um, be, because of how it's delivered, is it gets delivered on a refrigerated truck, and somehow that charcoal froze. So basically when it froze and there was moisture inside of moisture inside the bag, somehow it it got wet. And as it was like basically burning, it was also shutting itself down because it, because it was more, it was wet. It was wet charcoal. Yeah. Wet smoldering charcoal. Exactly. So we ended up pulling all of it, dumping it all, putting a whole different bag in. It was just that one, it was, it was these two bags that just came out really bad. And um, we ended up pulling all that, dumping it, 
getting new fresh Weber charcoal in there. It worked fantastic. Lit up right away. Started going. Got his pit back up to 250. Um, and and finished out his finished out his uh brisket. But it was just like I you know I worked on his pit for two hours to make sure that thing wouldn't go out. And then I ended up losing him. <laughs> That's the way it goes. Oh, you know what? But I would do it again. I would always do it again because I would never let somebody like I would want that. I would want somebody to do that for me. You know what I mean? Like I, it's just yeah, I, absolutely. It's the barbecue brotherhood. And his brisket yeah, was fantastic. Part of it. It really was. Now, what are some? What are some of the next steps for for you guys? What do you guys kind of see in the future? Are you planning ahead? So what we're we're really focusing on um, this last year. I think actually this week marks the the full year that we've been bringing products to the the home shopping network. Uh, Megan just got back. She was on um, yesterday selling, yesterday <laughs> selling our our chicken drumsticks, um, which have become a customer pick. Uh, they're they're a fan favorite over there at the Home Shopping Network. So we've taken everything that we've we've learned from co- competition and then backyard barbecue, and, and, and we're putting that into con- uh, commercial product development now. Um, and so we're, we're we're looking at ex- extending that product line. So we're testing out a couple new seasonings. Um, we're making some tweaks to our our spicy sauce um, to bring that back to market and in, in the large that we've just launched our original sauce in and really we'll be looking to try and, and just expand our presence on, on the home shopping network. We've probably got half a dozen different products, packaged meat products in front of them right now. Um, and just hope, hopefully continue to have a, another good year with them. Um, and, and see that plat- us grow with that platform as it grows. Now, when you guys were getting ready to do the home shopping network and you kind of were approached by it, because I'm assuming you were that was that's yes. kind of the way that it worked. Um, did you guys have any nerves nerves about going onto the home shopping network? Yeah, that's actually the first question that we tend to get asked um, when we were down it for training. Because um, so when you go, you, you they just don't just plop you on live TV. They don't just down. throw you on like go for it. Like let's yeah. Yeah, fall, you fall. <laughs> Yeah, you've got to make you have to make a trip down, a special trip down, like St. Petersburg. Yeah, St. Petersburg, Florida. Florida. I mean, we're Kansas City, so I say down. We're we're heading south. You have to go down to St. Petersburg and and you book an all day training session with them. It's part classroom training and then part simulation. Take you into the studio. They mic you up. They put the IED in your uh, in your ear. And so you can kind of get the feel of the producer talking to you. you there's camera monitors that are out that, that on screen folks you'll, you'll never see on TV, but there's a bunch of monitors. So you can see where the cameras are and where the shots are going next and how to how to be able to navigate all of that while still talking to the camera and showing the product. Um, and for whatever reason, with the class we had, there were some folks that were really nervous in there. I think you said you were n- nervous. I was I was nervous because for, for the training part. Because I was so used to doing, forgive me if this sounds pompous, but I was used to doing the Today Show. So that's a completely different style of interview live on camera than talking, selling selling to the audience. You're not answering the interviewer. You're telling the features and benefits and reasons why somebody would want to buy your product. And so I got nervous from the perspective of, Am I looking at the camera enough? Am I not looking at the camera enough? Just was it natural? Did it feel right? That was where my nerves were during just the training portion of it. But once we got on air, and I, just, I don't know, we just did it. Yeah, I was not nervous at all when we were going through the training. That was all just pretty natural. It was pretty. It was simulated. There really wasn't many people there. It was like the lady that was helping us, and then a producer that you never you never see the producer. They're in the booth somewhere. You just hear them in your ear. Um, that now, what was that like though? Because I know that, that? that. What was that like? Now that's a little bit different for most people. It, it, you normally like hearing somebody in your ear, but having to focus on something else. Not necessarily focus on something else. I shouldn't say it that way. But not letting somebody know that there's somebody in your ear. That's the hardest part. You know what I've and I've I've done 
two two different airings. Megan's uh, we've we've gone down to just Megan. She's the one that's going and featuring that now. For me, that was the hardest part is getting the the, the voice level right. Um, the first time we went on, it was it was perfect when we were um, in kind of that like the. It's not the green room, yeah, but it's, yeah. it's the staging area right before you go on to the live set. And then when I got on the set, it was so loud. I, I couldn't even – I couldn't hear the person standing next to me because the voice was so loud in my ear. So we turned it down, and then the next airing, I couldn't even hear the producer, so there was no direction. I just kind of winged it. I mean, so it's kind of a balance there. But it's – you know, it's it, – you just kind of get used to it. Um, they're talking to everybody on set at the same time, so – um, they could be talking to the host. They could be talking to one of the other producers. Everybody's listening on that same channel, so you just have to kind of know what what to listen for and to hear for. And you kind of just get used to what what the cues are going to be. It's basically telling you what camera they're going to go to next. And if they like what you're doing, they're going to say, "Stop, hold that right there. I'm coming in tight." And then you just gently pull the meat apart and and romance say, the meat. Romance the meat right to the camera. Yeah, and and the other thing too is you'll hear them you'll you'll hear them say you know where your counts are, if you're selling out of something you know so some of the fun stuff that you also get to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, people ask all the time if we're nervous, and I I I'm not nervous now. Uh, it's such an amazing platform to be on. We we're, we're creating content. Mm-hmm. There's no question. We're creating content and our brand and we get to tell our story. It's a, it's a unique, and you're absolutely right. They came to us. I think that's awesome. I just, I, I think it's very awesome. I think it's, it's something that most people don't get to do and they don't under, they also don't see how much goes behind it. They're like, Oh, it's just that it's fine. It's not that hard. And it's like, no, there's a lot of stuff in the background and there's a lot of stuff that led to this moment that that's one of the things that I, I like to not necessarily, I guess I I don't want to say expose, but you, you know, in a way I like to expose it because I don't think enough people talk about that exposure. That enough people don't show the the hard work, the what goes into it. I think I think the that's really important. Perseverance, yeah, for sure. Well, and two, you know, we're as Jason said, we've got a dozen products in front of in front of half, them. Half, half a dozen, half a, well, but yeah, I mean, variations of some things and and sizes and quantities in in front of them, but there's so many things that have to come into play, price point, margins, shipping, ev- you know, just everything, the little, little thank you card that goes in with it, what everything that goes around it has to be the right price for that audience. And is that audience going to be interested in it? And not only interested, but then the ultimate, well, they put it on auto ship, which means every 90 days, it's coming to their house, whether we're on TV or we're not, you know, so there's a lot of things that you just don't know, um, are happening behind the scenes before yeah. it finally hits the creating hit. reheat instructions to make sure that, you know, you know, that if they get a good product in their home, that it, they can reheat it and, and enjoy it and not, not mess it up in the last 10 minutes because of a, a, a misprint or something like that. There's there's just so many details to trace through and, and prep for it. Um, now, if we can dive into that just a little bit, I would love to talk talk to that, and we'll wrap the podcast up with that. Um, the reheat instructions, I think, are so important. Um, and, and what what they're what I'm the reason I'm bringing this up is so many people don't even think about that. That there's a lot of people that can't boil water. Let alone cook any type of food, but they want it. So trying to make it easy enough for anyone to do, but not mess up, is probably one of the hardest things in the world. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> not everything can be microwaved. Yeah. Well, I, I agree. Want it to be. I have a. I have it's a very. I have a very close friend. Sorry to cut you out there. I have a really close friend that that worked on doing these doing meal prep meals for people, right? And they they said that you know the the container is microwave safe. It's that everything is microwave safe, microwave or oven safe. You can use it in either one. Well, one of the people took the whole container, packaging and all, and put it in the oven. Yep. 
Yeah. And they were like, I it didn't it. work. Yeah. And they were like, work. what do you mean? And she's like, it, the, you, the cardboard, it just, it just was. And they're like, you got to take it out of the package. And then, but it yeah. said it's, it said it's oven safe. Yeah, we've uh, <laughs> our reheat instructions say pretty big. Like we were doing pork shirt, whole pork butts, and they they were they came out really really good. Um, but they did require a very specific process to bring back and and have nice juicy pork. Um, we were surprised at the number of number of customer service requests and calls we got through our website of people trying to put a frozen fully cooked pork butt in their oven. Um, and to think that'll reheat like a chicken nugget, um, doesn't, 45 seconds doesn't, or less. doesn't quite work out that way. Uh, yeah. it's, yeah. it's even with the giant, giant letter right, right across the top of the reheat instructions is you must thaw for up to 48 hours first. Yeah. Um, you know, people, people don't, don't read. Nope. I mean, it's, nope. They don't. But that's, that's part of the game though. Then that's part of, uh, for us on the product side is to just make, Make the product that much more easy to use. Uh, take the pulling out of it. Take, you know, so we we're we're working on evolving that into something that's a little more consumer friendly. That instead of instead of eighty percent of people can get it right, we can try and get it closer to ninety nine to hundred. Maybe even uh, you'll never get a hundred percent of people getting it right. But no, don't don't ever get, don't ever try to. <laughs> well thing is is we have to pivot on our end okay the a whole pork butt is a commitment maybe that's just a holiday offering but during the you know a regular tuesday night meal might be a smaller cut or a different cut so you know what we do uh which works out really good and it's a little bit different than obviously what you guys are doing we do um we do farmers markets a lot for the for the barbecue company that i that i own and we do frozen uh, pulled pork and pulled chicken, right? So yeah. all they have to do is thaw it and then and then reheat, and it works really well. And we I explain to them how you know you know thaw it, then reheat it this way, and we kind of give them give them that give them those those steps to doing it, and um, we do it in much smaller amounts. So what we do is we do four to five ounce or four to five uh, servings. Per, por- per portion yeah. and I find that that works really well because then they're not committing to a whole pork butt Yeah, and they're like, oh, I can actually just feed my family tonight. I don't have to feed the neighborhood also. <laughs> yep. yep. That's what we're running into a little bit and where we're our product development as well. Yeah. I think, I think it's difficult because it's hard to strike that balance because you want to give them the most you possibly can. Right. And at the same time, you also have to remember that most people can't take that much. Well, because we we came at it to the to the thought that you know we're a competition team that does not have a restaurant, but you want to eat our competition barbecue. You want to eat the kinds of things that we make. We mm-hmm. make pork butt, so yep. let's try that. And it was it was successful. I was actually very surprised at the number of people that had that thing on auto ship. Yep. I was like, what? That's great, but it, but the, ultimately it's like we can sell that. Or we could pivot and do something that a whole heck of a lot of people would like to to have in their freezer. Absolutely, I definitely agree with you on that. I think it's um, what you what you guys are doing is it, it's very cool. I'm very intrigued by it. I think it, I think it's a very interesting thing where you're like, listen, you can get a whole pork butt, or maybe we can do a little bit smaller. Yeah, I think well, it's very cool. You can't just sell what you're making you got to make what sells and that's that's the stage we're in you want to know what stage we're in we need to make what sell yep i totally agree with you now um the way i like to end the show completely is if you could go back into your barbecue career knowing what you know now and give yourself three tips to help shorten the learning curve what would those three tips be to go all the way back to shorten the learning curve yep uh um don't do it. <laughs> Not true. Get my wife involved earlier. There you go. That's that's what I would tell myself. Yeah, that's uh, what Megan I, really needs to be a part of this. Isn't that what every guy said? Yeah. Ever. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think I would change anything. I mean, I wouldn't second guess or, or try and fast track any of the learning we had. I mean, we because we earned it. I mean, we we went out and cut our teeth. We didn't fast track anything. We we. We had some fame before we actually really knew what we were doing, 
and then went out and and I think earned the and cut our teeth on the circuit to to back it up and and became a pretty successful competition team here within within the Midwest. Um, I don't think I would change that. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying change. Was, I'm saying just the yeah. three tips, as in three tips to help shorten a learning curve. Well, my tips would be listen to the people around you. Um, there you go. And because you're probably getting information and you don't even know it. Um, to always know the why. Why are you doing something? If you if you can't if you can't answer why, then chances are you might not be do, needing to do it. Um, and then. The third I, I, would third be is, get it, Megan involved yeah, earlier. Yeah, I think that's ultimately just get Megan involved earlier. I think that's it. I think that's Megan's favorite one. I do. <laughs> you get to, yeah. you, you now don't have to sleep on the couch tonight, Jason. Congratulations. Yay! Welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I yeah, want to say thank you so much for coming on the show, hanging out with us, chatting barbecue. If you can do me one last favor, tell everyone where they can follow your barbecue journey on the internet. Yeah, you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Burnt Finger BBQ is the the team handle. Megan is Burnt Finger Megan. It might be shortened to Burnt Finger Meg on one of them. Maybe yeah, it's Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, uh, search Burnt Finger on all of them. You'll find us. Uh, BurntFingerBBQ.com is our website. We have some products available there. Sauces and seasonings have just been picked up in Ace Hardware nationally, so you can find Burnt Finger Barbecue there as well. And then, of course, on the Home Shopping Network. Um, just go there. You can search Burnt Finger Barbecue and you'll pull up our company page. Um, right now they're running a nice special on chicken drumsticks. Um, so I suggest you go check those out. And then, um, yeah, you can follow, join our mailing list and we'll, we'll be, that's where we publish all of our uh, new product updates and all the happenings as well as on social media. So we'd love to have everybody come follow along with us. Awesome, dude. Thank you so much. And uh, we will chat soon. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.